Thank you, ICC IFGF. I am very blessed by the worship today because I don't think that last song was planned and then I didn't know what the first song was until yesterday. And actually those two songs are like, have been my rock. I always hold on to those two songs. And so, you know, funny story. Before Pastor Don left to the States suddenly because of his dad, he had mentioned in passing one Sunday, hey, uh, you know, like in October maybe I'm going to have you speak. I was like, oh, okay. I still have plenty of time to prepare, right? Like, okay, I still got like two months. And then he went back to the States suddenly and he's like, okay, by the way, on the 28th of August you're going to speak. And I was like, oh, uh, okay, great, thanks, Pastor Don. Thank you for changing my plans. As most of you know, I'm a planner. And Pastor Don loves to mess up my plans. But it's good, it's good, it's good. So if you haven't seen me before, I'm Lauren, like Victor said, and I'm the youth pastor here. And I've been in Indonesia. All the youth over here, hi. <laughs> I've been in Indonesia for seven years, and... You know, there's one thing I've noticed after seven years of being in Indonesia, and yeah, you want to know what it is? It's how different I am from everyone else. You know, the first thing I learned was that uh, in Bali, the clock runs differently. Um, if you show up to a meeting at 10, it's supposed to be at 10, the person won't show up until 10.30. And so I realized how different I am from everyone around me, from my friends, from those I work with. And I'm sure you felt the same way in some situations. You've looked around and you've seen how different you are and you're like, why can't I just be a normal person? Like, what's wrong with me? And so another way that I've learned that I'm different is, well, I'm living in Indonesia. I have blonde hair, blue eyes, and I still don't have a tan after seven years of living on a tropical island. So I'm really not the best at blending in with my surroundings. No matter how hard I try, no matter how much babi guling I eat, no matter how good my bahasa Indonesia is, no matter how good my jaxel is, I'm not very good at blending in at all. I'll never be Indonesian. I will never blend in with my surroundings. The truth is I'll always be different. I have a unique shape that no one else in the world has, not even the people in my own country. And every one of us has a unique shape. We all are different from each and every person around us. We're all created unique with different gifts, different spiritual abilities, different talents, different personalities. We all look different. And we all have different life experiences. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know, the word masterpiece actually comes from the word poema, which is where we get the word poem. And it means that we're created with a specific purpose. So we're not only a masterpiece, we were created with a specific purpose. We're custom designed by God. And just think about that. There's roughly 7 billion people on planet Earth, and each one of us was custom designed by God to do exactly what he called us to do. But as humans, sometimes, sometimes we're like, you know what? Surely if God wants this to get done, he'll use someone else. I'll, I'll just, uh, oh, God, yeah, you can just uh, pick the, that person over there. Pick Billy over there. 
pick Shinny. Don't pick me. Billy, why don't you come and speak? I don't want to speak. <laughs> we always are like, surely if God wants something done, he'll find someone better than me. And that's when the devil tries to sneak in and distract us from using what God gave us. And when that happens, we have to shout back louder with the truth of God. So today, I want to give you three things to remember about God. It's a simple message. It's very simple. I spoke it to the youth a few months ago. But I think that we all need to be reminded of this at some point in our lives. The first one is that God uses the unlikely. And the story of David comes to mind whenever I think of God using someone unlikely. Basically, God spoke to Samuel, this guy named Samuel, and told him, like, you've mourned long enough for Saul, the king of Israel at the time. It's time to find a new king. So Samuel secretly set out so that Saul wouldn't kill him to find the person that God wanted to assume the throne of Israel and lead the people of Israel. And so if we read in 1 Samuel 16, it says this. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab, step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemiah, but Samuel said, neither is this one the, the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all, of seven, all seven sons of Jesse were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, and the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. You see, David, when Samuel came to find David, Jesse presented, presented all his best sons, but he just kind of like left David like out in the field like, ah, surely Samuel's not going to pick him. He's, he's, he's too young. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just like a shepherd. He's just tending the animals. My other sons are probably, they're probably warriors. They were older. They were more mature. But God didn't care about all the qualifications that the other sons had. He cared about David's heart. He knew that David would become the man that he was supposed to be. And so what I love about God is that he looks at our heart and he loves to use those that are overlooked by others. He loves to use those that everyone else might write off as, oh, they're too quiet, they're too introverted. How can they ever do that? They're, they're too crazy. How can they ever sit still? But God loves to just be like, hey, I'm going to use you. Even though everyone else around you says, oh, you probably can't do that, I'm going to use you in a powerful way. So he, he doesn't care how many talents we have, if we're a master of everything. God doesn't care about that. All he wants is our heart. So today, I want, I want you guys to think about all the things in your life, what people have said, and stop believing what others say about you, but realize 
that God wants to use you in a mighty and powerful way. You're shaped with a purpose that God's placed in you before you were even born. God doesn't, I heard this quote a long time ago and I love it, God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. So when you respond to the call of God, whatever he's telling you to do, he's gonna give you everything you need to be able to walk in that calling. David didn't have all the qualifications he needed. All he knew was animals. He didn't know how to lead people. I'm sure he was probably like, ah, well, sheep are pretty dumb, but I'm, I'm sure they're easier than leading people. <laughs> but God qualified him and gave him everything he needed to become the king of Israel once he responded and accepted that call in his life. So God uses the unlikely. The second one is God uses the insecure. How many of you have ever heard the story of Gideon? Gideon was like this guy and you know, the Israelites at the time were just like hiding in this hole because they're afraid of all of the surrounding nations coming to attack them and stealing their food. And so one day Gideon's in this hole. I'm sure he's like scared for his life. He's just like threshing some wheat in a wine press. And all of a sudden an angel of God appears to him and was like, you mighty warrior. Mighty warrior? Like, um... I'm literally hiding in a hole. Like, how am I a mighty warrior? And so I want to read Judges 6, 12 through 16. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us? handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least of my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon doubted his very ability to be the mighty warrior that God already told him he was. How many times do you know the truth of God? You know what God says about you. But somehow we let this insecurity into our lives and we start doubting. Like, oh, God, no, why? Why me? Like, pick someone better. Like, I'm, I'm over here scared and alone and someone else can be a better warrior than me. I can't do it. How many of us have done that very thing? I know I have. I mean, even for me to be here in Indonesia and standing on this stage this morning is only by a miracle of God. If any of you know me, I'm very introverted and I loathe public speaking. I hate being in front of people. And here I am in front of all of you. And I also... <laughs> peace and calm and quiet and uh, you know who I'm working with the youth are they peace and calm and quiet sometimes not all the time come to my house on Friday night and you'll find out what really goes on in the youth <laughs> but a few years ago 2019 to be exact God began speaking to me that I need to step up and be a leader for the next generation 
And so, and on January this year, God quite literally spoke to me and said, you need to be a voice for the next generation. I was like, but I hate public speaking, God. Like, no, why me? And I argued with God just like Gideon did. God, why me? I hate speaking in front of people. I'm not good at speaking. I overthink too much. I'm a planner. And when you speak in front of people, 99% of the time, it doesn't go the way you planned. God, I've been hurt too many times by people in the church. Why should I speak in front of them? They're just going to judge me and think that I'm crazy. And so I had this pity party with God, like, God, why? Why? Why me? Pick someone else. You see, the, one of the enemy's greatest tools is to attack our self-worth. The enemy uses our insecurity to make us think we don't have the abilities, we don't have the skills, or the personality to be who God told us to be. The enemy uses comparison to weaken us and make us feel like we're not good enough to do what God's called us to do. I know I'm called to speak, as, to be a voice for the next generation, but the enemy tries to attack the fact that I hate speaking, that I can't speak. I always stumble over my words. If you know me in my connect group, I can't ever speak. So, <laughs> but the truth is, God, just like before I said, custom designed us for his exact purpose. So when he calls you to something, you should believe that he's already given you the skills and the abilities to do what he said. We're all mighty warriors for God. Even though sometimes we don't feel like it, God has placed something in each of us that can't be ignored. And you know what the best part is? When God told Gideon he's a mighty warrior and Gideon had this pity party for himself and it's just like, blah, blah. God said, I will be with you. I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. One man. It's like God's telling us he's going to do the work as long as we just say yes. As long as we obey what he's saying, God's going to be the one fighting for us. God's actually the mighty warrior, and he's helping us to win that battle. We're not doing it alone. He never leaves us. It's like Gideon had this hidden talent. He was a mighty warrior. But, he, but no one knew about it because it was hidden under all of his insecurity. And so when God called me into full-time ministry to leave everything I had planned for my life in America and move to Indonesia, it was one of the hardest and most rewarding things I've ever done. Definitely hard, definitely rewarding. Why was it so hard? Because God was calling me back into the place where I had experienced the most pain in my life. You see, if you know my family, most of my family are pastors or in ministry. My cousins are in ministry in, as missionaries. But the church wasn't easy for me to grow up in. It's where I experienced the most pain. So I wanted to run far, far away from the church. From a young age, I was emotionally, physically, and mentally hurt by the church. So how, when God called me to go into ministry... It was like, oh no, please. I'm, I was angry at God. I was angry at people in the church. The place where I was supposed to find community, all I found was pain, bitterness, resentment because of the things that were said and done to me. I had a lot of insecurities towards the church and towards God, but God promised me he would be with me every step of the way, just like Gideon. 
And you know what? It's been so rewarding to see just how a simple step of saying yes, despite all my insecurities, changed everything. And I'm glad that God used me as a mighty warrior even when I didn't feel like it. I'm so thankful that he didn't overlook me, that he restored me, that he forgave me, and that he showed me I can do so much more with him by my side than I could ever do alone. So many of us here today also have talents. We also have things that God wants to use in our lives. Talents that he gave us, but they're hidden behind our insecurities. Remember, God just wants a simple act of obedience, and we can let him do the rest. He'll be with us the whole time. Now, this might sound a bit harsh, but as long as you let your insecurities keep your talents and gifts that God's given you hidden, they're doing nothing for the kingdom of God except serving yourself. So it's time that we start using what God's given us to serve God, to serve others, because if you aren't serving, there's something in this church, in this community that's not being done, because only you can fulfill that piece of God's plan. And God will give you the strength and be with you all the way, just like he was with Gideon. So God uses the unlikely, God uses our insecurity, and God uses our failures. Now, have you ever failed at something? If, if you're thinking to yourself, no, I've never failed at something. Mm, are you really being true with yourself? Like, I'm pretty sure we all fail at something at one point or another. And there's a third man in the Bible that I want to talk about. His name is Saul, or later known as Paul. And I'd say, if you know anything about him, I'd say that guy has some pretty big failures in life. i say none of my failures can compare to what he did. I've never killed Christians. I've never persecuted the church. But this guy, he did it all. And so I want to read the story about Saul to give you a little background. In Acts, it says this. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at Stephen and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. It goes on in chapter 8 to say, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Now, even if I really hated someone, I don't think I would agree with the killing of someone. <laughs> but Saul, he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. And if you keep reading chapter 9, it goes on to say this. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down on him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. You see, after he got up, he was blind. 
So as he went into Damascus, God, always speaking to us, he spoke to a man named Ananias. He told Ananias where to find Saul, saying that Saul's praying to God, waiting for him to come and heal him. Ananias hesitated to go because Saul's reputation. I mean, I'd probably hesitate to go if I was a Christian and then God told me to go to this guy that only wants to kill Christians to heal him. I, I would probably be like, mm, are you sure, God? Like, mm, are, you, are you sure you want me to go there? But Ananias went there. And it says in verse 15, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And so after Ananias went there, Saul was immediately healed and began preaching about Jesus everywhere. His life was changed just like that. And so eventually Saul became known as Paul and he's one of the greatest missionaries for Christ to this day. Now how does that relate to us? Saul was a pretty messed up guy with pretty bad intentions and a dark heart, but in a split second with an encounter with Jesus, his heart was completely changed and transformed. God used Saul's worst mistakes to turn it into a platform for him to spread the good news of Jesus to all Gentiles and nations and leaders. In the, in the same way, we sometimes think of our biggest failure, our biggest regret. We don't think it can be used by God. We just want it to go away. We just want to push it underneath and pretend like everything was okay back before we met Jesus. But actually, sometimes God wants to use that as a platform for us to share the gospel, to share the testimony of how God changed us. And so let God use you despite how messed up you might feel on the inside. All it takes is saying yes to God for him to use you in a miraculous way. Nobody on earth is perfect. I'm sure all of us in this room have messed up at some time in our life. But stop letting those mistakes be a hindrance for God to use you. Just say yes to God and let him use those mistakes as a platform for a testimony of how God changed you and restored you and healed you. So all in all, we have to face our insecurities and start using what God gave us. We have to take off the blinders of insecurity so that we can listen to the heart of God. The worship team can come up. <laughs> I just saw them walk in the back. So we have to take off the blinders of insecurity so that we can listen to the heart of God and listen what he wants for us. Because God created each and every one of us with a unique shape that only you can fill. Only you can finish the puzzle. So no matter how overlooked, how insecure, how much of a failure you feel like, God wants to use you to complete his purpose and his kingdom. So before I wrap up, I want us to pray. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And maybe, maybe this message didn't speak to you, but maybe there's someone in this room that it spoke to. Maybe you've let the weight of comparing yourself keep you from what God's called you to do. Maybe you've let your insecurities of what other people are gonna think of you, that you can't speak, that you don't have any skills. Maybe you've let that keep you from understanding the unique purpose God has for you.
So as I close today, I just want you to slip up your hand if that's you. If you feel like you've been comparing yourself, but you want Jesus to transform you, if you want Jesus to use you, if you want to say yes, a simple step of faith. If that's you, you can raise your hand. I want to pray for you today before we close. God, thank you. Thank you for everyone in this room, God. Thank you that you've created us with a unique shape, with a unique personality, with a unique talents, with unique life experience that no one else in this world has, God. We just want to be your vessel to be used by you. God, I pray that you would raise up people that are bold to speak of your name, that are bold to use what you've given them to proclaim your name to the nations, God. That people would be sent out of this place today with a new passion to serve you. It just takes a simple step of obedience, a simple yes from your heart. So God, I thank you for each and every person in this room. Let us be used by you, God. Let us be your instrument to reach the world.